Hello and welcome to the very first episode of a new podcast series called Football the Imperfect Game, the show that takes a closer look at the beautiful game's imperfections. Today's episode will be a discussion about the psychology of gambling addiction, what makes people gamble, and we'll also be taking a look at some of the psychological effects that gambling advertisements and sponsorships can have on audiences. But we can't just have a discussion with just myself. So today's guest is an expert on addiction, and especially gambling addiction. He's completed a master's in psychology and has contributed to research about gambling addictions. It's great to have Dr. Greg Weston Hughes as a guest for today's episode. Greg, thank you very much for taking the time to come onto the podcast today. Thank you. To start things off, I wanted to ask about the primary reason for perhaps putting a bet on a football game to begin with. Is it the fact that people are wanting to create some excitement about a game that perhaps they're watching at home and you know they're watching as a, a neutral fan and it perhaps might be it might be a little bit dull maybe even a little bit of a boring watch i mean it's definitely one of the things I, i'd hesitate to say which one is the the most um indicative or the the most or the strongest predictor um like i said because th- there is quite a number of them um but definitely excitement and definitely things related to like social uh, aspects are saying it kind of falls within that mastery motivation a little bit but it's sort of one of these things where i mean again you, you probably have, have an experience of this as well which is friends love to brag or they love to talk about how much they won on an accumulator or you'll see on instagram or snapchat or facebook pictures of of people with accumulators or bets on with you know the the fiver or the 10 pound they've put on or and, and the two grand that they might get out um you'll you'll always as well probably only hear about the wins yeah you know a weekend or whatever and it's like oh oh yeah i won i won 200 quid on this accumulator and you, and obviously the, the conversation goes oh oh that's amazing how much did you put on he's like oh i only put on a quid and i got 200 quid from it it's like oh that that's that's paid for this weekend that oh, oh that's going towards my holiday and, and and that's your typical conversation that you'd have um but obviously they're not telling you about the losses they're not telling you about how many bets they've put on through the week. They're not telling you how much they've actually lost um, over multiple weekends. You'll only hear about the the odd win um, now and again. So I think there's definitely a social aspect to it in terms of being able to be involved in a conversation with people about football, about, again, what you've been up to, the fact that you've been winning money and you've got money. Um, I think that definitely is an aspect to it. Um but like I say, that there is there is others as well. I mean, detachment and uh, escape is is a is a is a very big one. Um, takes again. You, you everyone deals with stress and deals with issues in in their life. Like I say you, you make decisions every day, um, and detachment is that that need to escape or that need to not focus or concentrate on the real life and real problems. Um, it's sort of that taking you out of the situation, the way you're feeling and, and focus just on the game or focus on the gamble. Um, that That is a, another, well, one of, again, one of the big predictors is that people get very stressed, uh, again, whether it's through their job, through a partner, peers, um, just just making decisions, you know, it, it could be something as simple as you had something planned and it fell through and now you feel frustrated or angry or a bit sad by what happened and it's kind of then sort of like a 
a need or a means of coping and dealing with those negative feelings or sometimes can be things like boredom you know if you if you had something planned it fell through you've now got all this time well you need to fill that time with something in order to you know sleep and then have the next day where you might have something then planned so it, it again it, it sort of feeds into each other and obviously over time this this can lead to like conditioning um or what they also call like cognitive schemas where you basically condition yourself or think when you're in an instance where you feel sad or you've got some spare time and you're bored and and, and, and maybe frustrated or angry or you, you're automatic or somewhat of a, an unconscious thought is well i'll just get my phone out and i'll place a bet is is that sort of like a big problem where it all starts off with is well sort of how easy it actually is to just place a bet now like gone are the days where like you'd have to go to like a, a bookmaker shop and actually you know place one over the counter you can literally just take out your phone and you can literally gamble on like any sport almost any any country in the world at like any level absolutely i mean accessibility and, and being able to obviously literally just pull your phone out and 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 bet is is definitely a contributor towards it um i mean again there are obviously a lot of well they're supposed to be obviously there's there's definitely examples of companies um unfortunately preying on or maybe not preying on that's maybe too much of a strong word but at least letting some of those regulations slip um to to, to garner engage more money off people but there's supposed to be obviously restrictions for your accounts. So there's supposed to be rigorous background checks or at least some sort of check to ensure you are not going to spend over a certain amount or you can obviously place high or a lot of bets in a short space of time. But there's always means and ways of getting around it. Like I say, before, if, if you went into William Hill and you sort of bet, a limit with them or you you bet and somebody saw that you were getting distressed and upset and they said you know i think it's enough enough now or you had people around you sort of again giving you those cues the likelihood is is that once you're done you're done you're just going to go home whereas with your phone well you could go on the william hill app play play some pets on there and then you could close that app down and then go on bet 365 and and play some bets on there and, and, and you could just keep doing that over and over again. It's literally a case of pressing your home button, then pressing another app. And as long as you've got obviously an account with that um, that organization, you, you could just keep going, um, which again is, is definitely problematic. I mean, what the solution is with that, I don't know. I mean, you'll, you'll probably have a much clearer idea mm. once you've spoken to obviously a multitude of different people, because le legally it's very difficult to um enforce because again it comes down to well they're providing a service they're doing more than what I, I would suspect other services are in terms of trying to protect and safeguard people and it's then up to that individual who then engages with that whether or not you know they place that bet or they hit their limit and then stop or extend that limit the next week you know it, it it's a very slippery slope with regards to responsibility, but fundamentally it comes down to the individual. Um, and I think it's more important to understand 
why they wanted to place that bet in the first place than all the other things. I don't get me wrong that it the, these other things do obviously contribute towards susceptibility or contribute towards continuous and, and frequent use. But fundamentally, as, as somebody obviously works and, and understands it from a psychological perspective, I think understanding why the individual wants to use gambling uh, apps or gambling as a, as a sort of means of dealing with issues or to, to, to relieve some form of negative affect is much more important because I think ideally you'd, you'd want to put them onto a more adaptive means of, of coping or a, a more healthier sort of habit behavior to deal with those frustrations or to deal with that negative affect um yeah but unfortunately again we, we can't live in a world where we don't address these complexities and address the things of advertising and again how they fall somehow into being within your eye line and constantly being there whether it's advertisements before and after games or in between breaks within games whether it's shirt sponsorships whether it's buying stadium rights whether it's um sponsoring again events and uh, being sponsors of big events it's it's difficult especially as well when you consider it, how much money a lot of these gambling organizations make um yeah it, it's a legal nightmare really uh, because it's sort of saying, well, why is it okay for Coca-Cola to sponsor it, but not, um, you know, Bet365 or Ladbrokes or whoever, if, if they've got the money and they're paying. I mean, there is definitely an ethical question there, but it's, it's a difficult one. Um, what sort of the process that's happening in, like, um, someone's mind, you know, when they see, like, uh, see like these gambling advertisements and sponsorships in uh, sports for example how much like influence does that actually have on people again I, I would suspect most of it is subconscious in in the sense where it, it's like with any advertising I mean I, if you speak to anybody with advertising I, I, yeah. or a, a customer or somebody who watches it it's, it's never usually you know you see an advert for you know you see Ray Winston sort of say don't, don't place a bet and then all of a sudden you think, oh yeah, I'm going to go place a bet. I, th I think it's a bit more of a subconscious thing. Like you've already kind of maybe maybe thought about it or you already have got a bet on. And so it, it, it kind of then is just a prompt, a, a bit of a trigger in a way where it's like, well, you could put a bet on if you, if you want to. You know, look how easy it is. Or your first free bet, you get £20 free. It, it's initiatives and things like that where I think it's it's much more of a an influence on in, on people when they have such things like that where yeah. it's everywhere it, it's kind of a a light bulb in a way or a kind of a trigger just for people where it's like where well, you could place a bet if you wanted to and i think that i think that's made mainly where it comes from it's again it's that familiarity it's the fact that it it's it's everywhere it's it's a constant prompt to you that gambling you can gamble gambling is is okay here because you know look at all these different gambling sort of organizations that are affiliated with or or whatever and and, and obviously that's a two-way street as well obviously one from the actual club itself as well as obviously from the gambling organizations and obviously those who sell the tv rights to obviously have those advertisements and those things there 
So I think it's just a constant reminder or a constant trigger there for people who somewhat can already be susceptible to these things of wanting to gamble that I think it's just a, a means of reminding or triggering people to, to remember, you know, you, you can always place a bet if you want to. Um, and in most cases, I think people probably do because it adds to that excitement. It, it adds to that social, it adds to that. Yeah. I'm no longer focusing on what I'm feeling. I'm just focusing on the game and then I'm focusing on, oh God, the, there's three yellow cards and my bet pays out when I get four. And, and, and so, so the focus then becomes on that rather than everything else. And I think that brings quite a number of people um, relief and, and contentment in that moment, in that context of, of what they're doing, in which case it's same watching football and enjoying having that bet on. The, are the triggers uh, the same to the same sort of severity as um, they are for say someone that might be actually addicted to gambling and you know that that they they just can't yeah. stop betting is that sort of the same or does it differ i mean from the advertiser themselves or from the organization it's the same right but it's obviously the individual who would feel more susceptible so if if you've already Again, it's kind of like, it's kind of seen as like a journey or, or at least like a, a continuum, a, a sort of a scale, if you want to call it that, where you're going to have individuals, obviously, on the early side of things where, you know, they only place a bet on the Grand National um, and they occasionally maybe do a scratch card or something. To those sort of in the middle who maybe have one or two accounts who occasionally place a bet it's only on their team or it's only on, you know, general uh, outcomes or, or things within the game. And, and then progressively, I suppose if you, you could use the word tolerance in a sense where it's not enough and then they need more. So down that further or extreme end, you've now got somebody who's got multiple accounts betting every time or every weekend on games. They're much more specific. So the thing is, is again, the... I think the susceptibility of the individual is probably what the advertising and those effects are going to have more strongly. Um, that also, I think, is probably reflected in the individual's circumstance as well. Obviously, psychologically, how much are they needing in terms of that gratification, in terms of that relief from all those negative affects, that stress, that distress, frustration, anger, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's also going to have a big influence on how much somebody engages with gambling. It's, it's kind of one of these things where, you know, if you're having a really bad and rough day, the only thing you really want to do is just sit and chill out. You just want, you you, you do anything just to have that peace and that re relaxation where you're no longer feeling angsty and, and worked up and stressed. You don't want, you know I mean, you don't have those intense feelings anymore. And I think if you're in that situation where, one, you already know gambling works for you, you are in that heightened state of, of, of frustration and, and needing relief from that negative affect, I think having somebody advertise or say to you, you know, or put, put a bet on, or do you know what the odds are for, for winning this? If they're really good, why don't you just stick a couple of quid on? I, I think it's all those combination of, 
making it very easy, very accessible, very um, fun and reinforcing with the circumstance of the individual that just creates a very destructive and, and, and unhealthy means of basically gambling and leading to much more severe and destructive problems. I mean, obviously finances is, is the biggest outcome when it comes to gambling, which obviously has a much larger and greater knock-on effect um, than, say, gaming disorder um, or even to some extent some substances. Obviously, physically, substances are going to have a massive effect, um, as well as some finances, obviously. But gambling, obviously, predominantly, it's, it's, it's the finances, um, which obviously has a certain massive knock-on effects with being able to survive and live, not being homeless, um, having fights and breakdowns of relationships, being able to eat. There's, there's a, a, a significant amount of harm there when it comes to being in the hole where you've lost all your money and, you, and, and you're chasing to try and get it back. Yeah. When it gets to that sort of level where, you know, gamblers are sort of in that fight, you know, they're sort of at a point where they're spent, like so much of their finance and income has gone so uh, into, into gambling. Um, how, what, what, what makes them, you know, think, right, I'm not going to stop here. I've, got to keep on gambling to you know is there an element of chasing your wins at that point or is it or is that just very like really severe i mean people can chase their wins from from the off i mean as soon as you've lost once you you, you can potentially be chasing your wins from there um yeah sometimes it's disguised in the sense where they actually do want to continue gambling but or don't necessarily want to admit that they're chasing the losses. Um, but it, it can pretty much start from the off. Um, when it gets to such a severe situation where they don't have money to gamble anymore, obviously then it's a case of the individual will turn to much more nefarious and somewhat criminal means of obviously acquiring that money. Um, again, it, it, it could be things like I say, stealing, it could be borrowing or lending money whether that's from friends or family or from payday loans from loan sharks um you get into a, a real bad bad situation there where you it's, it's never it's not going to get better for you um and, and you're in a real problem and obviously bailouts in terms of people or friends buying your debt out um is probably one of the worst things you can do for somebody who who is a gambling addict um, as much as it feels like you are helping them and you're relieving some of that pressure or stress typically what happens is is the individual recognizes that you are their fallback or their safety net and it's an it's really an awful situation because obviously friends and family want to just help the person but inadvertently by helping them you actually contributing to the issue because the individual may see that oh it's okay for me to get into debt because i know that if i if i do then i'm going to get bailed out by my partner or by my parents or or something to that extent which just kind of reinforces the acceptability of, of, of 
betting and going again and getting yourself into that situation again because, well, the responsibility then falls on my parents or my partner to bail me out again. So, it, it, it's, again, it's, it's not a very nice situation to be in. Um, and so, again, I, I caveat that with if the individual is seeking help in therapy or doing something towards reducing the amount that they gamble or stopping gambling, as well as then obviously somebody helping them dealing financially with their, their issues, then I, I kind of maybe can see or get on board with that, that sort of plan. Um, but if, you, if, if the person isn't making steps towards recovery or trying to get better, the likelihood is, is that they will see it as a safety net and continue to keep gambling uh, and sometimes worse because they know they've got that safety net there. What are some of the um, recovery uh, like practices, um, you know, with people dealing with addiction? Like, what what sort of advice are they given to by professionals to sort of help in psychology in like their road to recovery? In most cases, it's CBT. Um, within most addiction, it's CBT, uh, which is obviously cognitive behavioural therapy, which focuses predominantly on changing changing their perception or their um, intensity of their sort of feelings and emotions towards certain things. So in this case, if it is gambling or it's an element that they're particularly susceptible to, it's changing the way that they feel or cope. It's trying to break down that sort of unconscious or subconscious conditioning that they've sort of established within their, their, their sort of behavior or their mindset, which is, you know, when I feel bad, I gamble because it makes me feel better. Or I always feel bad. And when I do gamble, it makes me feel normal. or It makes me feel contented. CBT aims to try and break down that, that thought process. So instead of when they do feel that particular emotion, their automatic or their thought process doesn't wander or go towards gambling as a means of relieving or dealing with those those feelings or those um thoughts and it, it's supposed to progressively over time i say break that down or put them onto more saying ad adaptive means so you know when you feel stressed or you worked up or angry you go and speak to somebody and you talk these things through or you know you go to the gym or you you go for a walk or you take up another hobby or some something like that um instead of obviously going to to a betting site and placing a gamble. It's, there are, I think, I believe, NHS, um, not many, but there are NHS treatment centres or uh, providers by the NHS for gambling. Um, but, but predominantly the ones that are provided are private organisations and charities. Um, and they all kind of focus on, on a similar thing. Um, again, I don't know whether you know much about the literature within addiction, um, but basically most of the literature is all based on substances and substance misuse. Um, and then all of the understanding and the diagnostic criteria has then basically been transposed into gambling. Um, a few minor changes, not many. I think there's probably two criteria that are different, I think, um, as well as the number of criteria that has to be endorsed um 
and then basically from gambling it's now been transposed into gaming um, and I, I think at current there's probably an argument or at least within the field looking to try and then apply that to social media at the moment because it seems to be a very topical um, issue social media use social media disorder um, and, and that I think is being being worked into there so predominantly a lot of the knowledge and, and means of which understanding treatment comes from substances um, but fundamentally it comes down to understanding the cause of, of why that individual is is gambling to such obviously detrimental and harmful levels um, and trying to manage and deal with that um, again it, it's not necessarily always as simple as I, I feel like crap so I gamble like I saying, it, it can be a whole multitude of different things. It can be things like um, autonomy. So if, if a person doesn't feel like they have control of their life, they have a very stressful job or they have people telling them what to do with their job all the time, they don't really have any freedom or agency to make choices and decisions that have an effect or any sort of impact on themselves. Sometimes they can they can use gambling as a means of relieving themselves from having that choice or they are making the choice and so there's there's no control over the outcome when they place a gamble and place a bet so again it's different for different people obviously people will gamble to deal with yeah. different issues and it's fundamentally trying to understand what those issues are and resolve them and consequently the gambling should somewhat reduce or cease um much easier said than done, obviously. Um, these these things are obviously developed over a long period of time. Um, and when there are such triggers, such as advertising and, 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 again, people and peers around you that also may be gambling or may also be talking about things, um, it, it's hard not to maybe want to gamble or be involved with it when everyone else is and it's so somewhat normalised around you when you've got a saying them buying stadium rights and, and advertising on the tv and everywhere you go it's, it seems to be associated with with gambling to some extent mm. um what are some of the key psychological differences um between people in that sort of 18 to 25 age range what are some of the key differences between them and like fully grown adults perhaps i mean disposable income and responsibility um probably as well impulsivity a bit of conscientiousness as well so obviously those who are much older will maybe have much more responsibility they may have a same a house and, and kids to look after so it means they probably not get as much disposable income or they have to think about their kid rather than just themselves um impulsivity again probably comes into that <clears throat> just through experience and, and maturity i suppose but more experience because i suppose that wasn't that's what makes you mature is that you you understand the the consequences of which you can rationalize and be more logical and thoughtful in in obviously what it is you do and and why um again you you may be in that situation where you you have a you're in a relationship um, or you're at least living with with people that, that can obviously care about you, that can have a somewhat of a watchful eye on you. Obviously, between 18 and 25, the likelihood is, is that 
you're going to be single. You're probably going to be living on your own. Um, obviously, if you're at university or you're starting out as your first job, um, you're not going to necessarily have those individuals around you that are constantly watching or checking up on you and checking in. Vice versa, you don't necessarily mm. have those people to confide and talk to. Um, men are obviously disproportionately affected more than women. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily like to bring in the gender differences, but I think you can't necessarily ignore the fact that I think men take much more riskier decisions or engage themselves in much more risky behaviour. Um, Is there a reason why why that's the case? I mean, I don't know whether it's... Uh, again, I'm always tentative to go into such things like genetical hormonal differences and such like that. Um, but obviously, on average, I would probably say men are typically more impulsive, less sort of logical, more... Um, in the moment, spontaneous spur of the moment type thing, where it's, again, susceptibility to peer pressure, a susceptibility to, to wanting excitement, wanting relief from, from stress and wanting to fit in. There's, I think there's a whole combination of things that if you really wanted to get into it, which, again, I'm not entirely comfortable with because, again, of, of the situation and the culture that we're in currently, to, to make such definitive things about, you know, the, this, the, I just think there's a whole combination of things there, both expectations with regards to um, probably the way men are supposed to, to act or share things and not share things. All, all those things, I suppose, you would stereotypically associate with uh, men and their behaviour probably somewhat falls true, but doesn't necessarily obviously explain the entire picture. Um Again, I, I just, I, I, it's, it's typically, I think it's just what you'd expect. You, it's typically young adult males that have probably got quite a lot of disposable income. They're maybe still living with their parents. They've got their, their first job mm. or they're at university. They've got obviously grant money and stuff coming in and they think it's, it's something to play around with. Or again, they're within the culture of British drinking culture, which is again, going out, socializing with mates. They're probably engaged in sports whether it's rugby, football, badminton, whatever it may be. And, 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 and consequentially, by being involved in those sports, you're having those conversations with people of a similar age. And it only takes necessarily one person to, to do it or start doing it. And it, it spreads like wildfire because, well, fear of missing out is also a very big indicator. People don't want to miss out. They don't want to feel excluded from the conversation are excluded from the group so the likelihood is is that they're going to engage or yeah yeah try and fit in um and not miss out on these sorts of conversations or these sorts of um group dynamics if you want to call them um because again it doesn't feel nice it doesn't feel good it's it's unfortunately that that age group 18 to 25 is a very defining period within individuals development and socialization it's it's a period where you, you you're developing and understanding who you are you've got a lot of freedoms you've got a lot of um choice and things that you can now engage with obviously legally um as as well as obviously a lot of changing circumstances within your life as well um, there's a lot of big decisions that get made in that period of time and i think that probably also contributes to 
certain behaviors or decisions that people make. Um, in, in, again, in most cases, I think you, you kind of already said it with that accessibility and that availability type thing is if you've got a bunch of mates who are not very reliable and have got their own things going on and you were basically sat bored at home not doing anything, the likelihood is, is that you're going to engage in something that is really easy and really reinforcing to fill in that time or fill in that boredom, fill in that low sort of state you're in because you're not able to socialize and go out with your mates or you've got no one around. So it's, I saying, I think it's a very vulnerable, a vulnerable age to be in because there's, there's a lot of change and a lot of, I suppose, getting used to uh, adult life, I think, at, at, at that sort of period within your life. Um, the, the idea of uh, free bets, does that have, who's that sort of targeted towards? Is that, does that have any influence on perhaps younger adults or compared to older ad adults? I mean, I think it probably affects, I mean, I, I, targeting wise, I'm, I'm not sure. Obviously, again, I don't know whether or not there's a particular initiative there um, to try and obviously uh, target certain demographics or certain types of people. I would, I would suspect it's individuals who are on the fence about gambling, who are maybe teetering with the idea, uh, but, you know, just want a bit of a teaser. I, sp I suppose it's a bit like the free sample at a supermarket or a free sample at a, a market, a farm or whatever, where it's a case of, you know, I'll try this, see if you like it, and then you'll buy the full product. I think it's a kind of similar situation with with free bets. It's, it's kind of teasing you in with, you know, set up an account or refer, refer a friend. Uh, you'll get £20 or a £10 first free bet. And I, I think that is sort of just in trying to entice users. I think it's in trying to entice new people to the to, to gamble but i think it's probably those people who are who are on the fence because well if, you, if you've already got multiple accounts and you're already gambling um 20 quid is probably minimal or a 10 pound free bet is is probably minimal in consideration of how much you are betting already um so i think most people who are gambling would probably still take it if they are obviously eligible to to take it but i think from an advertising perspective, or probably what the organisations and, and, and companies are trying to do is is tease those individuals who are maybe on the fence about gambling or putting a bet on, um, and giving them that little little push, I suppose, into saying, "Well, you know, oh look, we'll we'll, we'll give you some free money to bet with, so it's not your money yeah. that you're betting with." Um, but I think everybody understands and knows that chasing is. Is, is definitely a, a very strong a feeling, a very strong pull for individuals that it's sometimes very difficult to differentiate between what's your money um, and what's their money, as well as how much you're up versus how much you're down. Uh, you, you'd have to take yourself out of that mindset or situation in order to sort of rationalise or understand that. Um, there's a study that I was involved with that it's kind of based on that idea. They, they, I think they call it like the red mist or like a blinkered effect where once you're involved in the game or involved in the gamble, everything else becomes periphery. It, it is kind of a very 
solemn focus on on the gamble and what you're doing and everything else becomes just well it just dissipates it just doesn't become something that you pay attention to um kind of kind of a bit like you know when when you're enjoying yourself and you're involved in something two or three hours can fly by and you've had no idea that such a large amount of time has passed kind kind of that similar sort of thing where they're just so engrossed and involved in the behavior in in the gamble that nothing else sort of is being paid attention to and of course that leads to a lot of problems because you're not taking yourself out of the situation rationalizing and understanding what is happening what is going on how much money you started with how much you're at now how much you've won how much you've lost should you stop um should you not and obviously there are certain games that employ breaks or in session breaks where it will say you know oh you've been playing this game for two hours now do you want to take a break or you should take a break and in which case you just press continue and, and carry on um those sorts of breaks are those situations where it takes you out of the game and out of the gamble are, are quite important but again it's very it's it's a very difficult thing to implement um and i'm not so sure many organizations probably want to do that too which is again probably part of the issue and problem as well is that it, it, it is just constant it's advertising and and talking about it and always being there on your phone etc that i think makes things far too easy to just keep going back to is there any sort of um withdrawal symptoms with um people addicted to gamblers in a similar way to perhaps uh you know alcohol addictions and drug addictions so th there is um it, it's not it's usually a, a sort of expressed or explained as not necessarily being akin. So not being exactly the same in the sense of that physical dependency and that cold turkey and, you know, the shakes, the sweats and that, and that sort of thing. Uh, but certainly from a psychological perspective, there is. Um, so what it comes down to is it's that sort of gratification or that needs frustration that an individual is obviously experiencing is that, lack of relief lack of um sort of coping in a way so again it's, it's it's not necessarily anything to do with the money it's to do with having that need or having that negative affect and it needing to be relieved and those feelings just constantly becoming more intense more frequent and needing to to find a way to feel not like that anymore and to deal with those emotions so i th i think from a from a gambling perspective it's pr probably more frustration it's probably more low mood or sadness probably anger um think of it in a sense where you've had a crap you've had a crap day and you can't gamble how are you going to feel yeah you're going to feel pretty crap yeah and, and that's going to progress over a period of time so think you've had a crap day then you then you go to work the next day you've had a crap day and then this time you've had an argument with your your partner so now you're feeling even worse and you, you're gonna need an outlet for that you know it's only natural it, it's it's only a normal thing to want to not feel bad and feel negative and and you you need to find a vice or something that is going to make you feel better relieve those symptoms and unfortunately 
I personally feel um, as well as sort of what my research has sort of pushed me towards and is that unfortunately we have a generation that has kind of been given everything and hasn't gone out and done or experienced things and I say that in the sense where quite a number of people who I've spoken to that um, I mean, I, my background on my my sort of uh, thesis and stuff was on gaming disorder, but originally I was saying I looked at gambling. The majority of young adults don't have a hobby, and they don't, and they, and some of them or most of them after sixteen when they leave school don't engage in any sports. So, the thing is, is they don't, they don't have an outlet, they don't have a means of coping, or they don't um necessarily do anything besides sit and watch tv watch netflix and 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 you know maybe some read or maybe some draw but nothing that is potentially fulfilling on the long term has sort of a long-term payoff or something that they can be proud of and and say you know well look look what i've done this is i've been working towards this look how proud i am that i've achieved this and done this i think most young adults and most people within that that area and that generation just don't seem to have anything um on top of the fact they just a lot of it is is fear they they don't know what's out there they they feel like it's a waste of time trying to find out um the cost benefit in terms of mm. going out and trying something maybe paying 25 50 quid and and seeing whether or not they like it is not worth it they they could just stay at home and turn the xbox on or they could just sit and binge watch Netflix until they have to do something the next day. Um, they may socialize, but it's very surface level. It's it's not very deep or meaningful. It's it's very you know casual sort of acquaintances. Oh, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. You? Yeah. What you been up to? That's it. Um, I think there's also a big issue as well currently, and I don't know whether it plays into it, but probably does somewhat is that there were, there was a lot of young single males not a lot of people are getting into relationships and i think that also contributes towards it as well because you well well you've got nobody then you've got nobody to spend time with nobody to talk to nobody to to go and enjoy and and have those shared experiences with and so you're sat on your own alone at home either with your parents or in your own domicile with your own accommodation you need an outlet, you need something to do. And, and, and when you've got a, say, a, a phone there that you can go on multiple apps and, and, and gamble yeah. and, and know it gives, gives you a, a decent buzz, it, it kind of seems like a no-brainer, really, when you look at it. But I, I think this is, it, again, it's an amalgamation of all these different things that I think contribute towards it, especially for that demographic. Um, and, and something has to change um it it really does but again it's it's not something that's going to change necessarily overnight um and not something that you can necessarily force and change it's 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 something that i think again you can you can ask the gambling organizations to reduce the advertising you can ask them to put more restrictions or freedoms i suppose towards the customer and the user with regards to how much they want to use a particular app or how much they want to gamble but I think fundamentally it comes down to the individual um, and again, why they, why they are gambling into such detrimental lengths. It's, 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 it's a very difficult and complex thing, but 
I think fundamentally trying to understand why they do it um, and giving a different sort of outlet or a different behaviour to engage in is probably the most effective way of dealing with the issue and, and having them not progress to a level that is detrimental and that severe that, like I say, they're in significant amount of debt and they're doing very, very risky and very dangerous things in order to recuperate or pay off that debt. Just to sort of um, finish up things, the government are bringing out a a white paper um, which is going to sort of update the laws on gambling in the United Kingdom for the first time since 2005. Is this something that's is it something that's needed or perhaps is it not going to change enough? I mean, it depends what it is that they're targeting. I, I can't, uh, I don't really know what the white paper is addressing. Um, I've not read it myself. Do you, do you know briefly what it's looking at? It's it's going to get published later on this year, but a, a lot of it seems to be focused around um, limiting how much um, one person can like stake on a bet. I think a lot of it is around slot machines uh, mm-hmm. sort of limiting how much people can bet on it. Right, okay. I mean, I tell my students, and I think the, the literature probably, again, supports me in saying that in, in, in most cases, it doesn't matter whether you're gambling with a penny, a pound, or a 10 or a 100 pound. It, it's the act of gambling that, is is the reinforcer or the reason why people gamble the money is kind of a, a secondary sort of reinforcer um it, i think it will it will help in regards to obviously people getting to such depths of, of financial difficulties and issues which again is is one of the bigger contributors to to the problem and to severe consequences and issues afterwards but I think fundamentally, people will find ways around it. Will find loopholes because they people people do. Um, it may well be that you know it's it's saying at the moment the average number of accounts is about four or five. So as soon as they hit their limit with one, they move on to the next one. What's to say that it doesn't extend to creating different email addresses, creating different identities, having multiple bank accounts? Then you can have ten accounts. So. As much, as much as the intention is probably well-founded for trying to address these sorts of issues, again, fundamentally, it's, it's, it's dealing with the symptoms and not the causes. You, you're looking at trying to deal with, you know, limiting the amount that people can bet, when really you should be looking at, well, why are they betting in the first place? Like I sort of said, gambling in, in and of itself is not harmful. It's not an addiction. It, it is a form of entertainment and it is a means of, you know, people engaging in behavior to feel excitement. It's not inherently harmful. But for those individuals that are susceptible and are using it disorderly, they will continue to use it disorderly, not because of how much they can bet, but because they can bet and because they can do it as much as they want all the time at their fingertips. So I, I think it will... delay potential issues that are related to finances and getting into such a such a hole with your finances that again have such massive knock-on effects with to do the same with upkeep and keeping a house getting your rent paid feeding yourself um 
all of the arguments and conversations that obviously come with parents, peers, partners in relation to that. Um, but fundamentally, I think it's only going to delay the issue because, well, all it's, if it does work for those individuals who can't now place, you know, a thousand, ten thousand pound bets and you can only place 500 pound bets per day, it just means they'll be playing every day on multiple accounts trying to get that fix and that high, that rush that they're obviously seeking. And then they'll just find means and ways of getting around it. Um, the, wor the worry is, if it is effective, I d again, I don't think it's going to stop people from gambling because obviously you, you, you're never going to be able to do that. The, the worst worry is, is that yeah. it pushes people towards something else. And that something else is more harmful that 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 is a is a big concern or a big worry especially when it comes to regulation because if i can no longer get my relief and my high from gambling as much as i did there's now restrictions where you know i i can't get that same level of gratification i'm going to find some other way or some other means of finding it and and you just you just hope that that's not something like a substance or risky much more risky behaviors um like crime or again you don't know you can't never predict these things what what goes no, through people's yeah. minds when they're in that state of such negativity or such low mood what it is they'll do you you, you know you're taking away that means of coping i mean it's it's a very it's a very difficult thing to to deal with i mean i've got i've got a good example where um i won't i won't state the place or anything but there's a particular there's a particular place that i volunteer and and they they don't um they don't try and stop people from self harming and the reason why they don't try and stop them is is because it's their their form of relief their form of coping and their form of dealing with the feelings and emotions that they're they're under they they help them manage with with the problem afterwards but they don't try and stop them i mean in this circumstance they, they're dealing with much more severe mental health issues and, and much more serious problems but fundamentally what the same sort of principle applies is that you're taking away a person's means of coping and dealing with their their issues mm, yeah because again, fundamentally, that is why they are probably engaging with the gamble in the first place. Is there's a problem, and 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 they're trying to address it. It's when it obviously gets so severe that you, you you're dealing with a lot of very sensitive individuals then who can no longer get the same amount of gratification that they previously would, and so they 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 still need that gratification and they still need that relief. And they're going to find it some way or another. Um, well, listen, it's, it's been great to talk to you about this. It's been uh, really insightful. I've uh, learned a lot of new things, which has been great. Um, so j thank you very much for uh, coming on to here to uh, talk about this topic. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it for today's episode of Football the Imperfect Game. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to like, subscribe and follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, so you don't miss any upcoming episodes of the show. That's it from me, your host, Michael. Thank you for listening.